Hi, and welcome to The Movie Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls, where you'll get access to a bunch of bonus content, including our Booby serials, which we're covering Firefly Lane currently. We're about halfway through, so a few more episodes, and then we'll be switching over to something a little bit more dark and mysterious with Behind Her Eyes. So I'm super excited for that. Um, and this week we are covering Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, I have titled this one A Life for a Life. Ooh. Very om- om- ominous. 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 <laughs> ominous. So close. So close. <laughs> uh, so the book was originally published January 1st, 1934. I saw that because I have, you saw the copy that I have. Yes. I found it it's at the Goodwill. Very old school. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like original from the 30s, no. but it's old. Like yeah. it smells old. <laughs> I love the smell of books. Um, it's uh, written by Agatha Christie, which, you know, famous murder mystery um, author. It has a Goodreads rating of 4.18 out of 5, and it's 274 pages. It's 274 pages. My copy was only 212 pages. Oh. It's maybe well, the copy that I have. Normally, yeah, and it's so hard based on like hard back to paperback. True. I, if I don't have a physical copy of it, I usually go off the Goodreads mm-hmm. um, description and that's what yeah. they had. So. The copy that I have looks like it it was from a typewriter. Like that's how old it looks. <laughs> yeah, so. very cool. <laughs> um, the movie came out. Well, okay. So I guess we should clarify. We are doing the most current movie. This was the second time they've done a major motion picture of this one. So we're doing the one that came out in 2017. Uh, it was rated uh, PG 13 It's a crime drama mystery and was an hour and 54 minutes long. Um, I've actually never seen the original uh, adaptation, but Not now after watching this, I kind of want to watch it just to see. Do the you know what year that one came out? I want to say in the sixties. Okay. Sometime. Yeah. So sometimes it's cool to see like older versions. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't always pan out the way you want it to, right. but. <laughs> but I'd like to see like how those two differ yeah. as well. So, uh, so the movie was directed by Kenneth Ban, Bran, Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. No idea. Sure. He, you do know him. I do. You do. He actually plays Hercule Prioro. Oh. <laughs> this is going to be so Pure. much fun. Poro. Poro. Poro, right? Um, Hercule Poro. 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 I think I'm, I'm going with Poro. Poro, like Ross Poro. Who? Poro. <laughs> Okay. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, so he is the director of the film and also stars in the film. Wow. Um, he's also directed Artemis Fowl, Cinderella, Thor, and he, spoiler alert, is directing Death on the Nile, which is the ah. sequel to this movie. And that's coming out supposedly this year, possibly next year with everything. Um, he's been nominated for four Oscars, uh, one for a supporting role, one for writing, uh, one for... Um, a leading role and one for a short film. That's impressive. Um, and you also know him from something else, but we will, uh, we'll get into it once we go through the cast of the movie. Sounds good. (laughs) So the IMDb synopsis reads, when a murder occurs on the train on which he's traveling, celebrated detective Hercule Pirro is recruited to solve the case. 
So some fun facts. Uh, the book was actually published in the U.S. under the title of Murder on the Calais Coach. Um, the reason for that is because um, they wanted to avoid confusion with a 1932 Graham Greene novel, Stumble um, Train, which had been published in the United States as Orient Express. Huh. So they didn't want to like confuse because yeah. Stumble they also talk about a lot in yeah. this book and movie. So they just didn't want to confuse the Interesting. two. Interesting. Um, the UK edition retailed at seven shillings and six pence when it originally was um, released, and the US edition at roughly two dollars. Um, so the seven shillings and six pence is roughly equivalent to about 19 euros today, which converts to about 22 dollars. Huh. So if you yeah. think about it, it's pretty on par with yeah. what a book would cost today. Unless you go thrifting like we do. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> which like the thought of getting a two dollar brand new book is just like baffling right. to me. But that's kind of what we do anyway. Um so there was actually a five-part BBC Radio 4 adaptation of this book that originally was broadcast from December 1992 to January 1993. Additionally, there have also been TV adaptations, a play which premiered in 2017, a board game named Orient Express that came out in 1985, and a point-and-click computer game that was released in 2006. Wow. So lots, lots of awesome fun stuff. I might need to um, find that board game. I was, you know, I love, I, I love was games. literally thinking of you when I saw this uh, fun fact, cause I was like, you guys love board games. Yeah. And it's very like throughout this entire and murder. Book, <laughs> that too. <laughs> throughout this entire book and movie, I kept thinking, uh, nods to clue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and clue obviously yeah. is a famous, uh, board game. So um, it, that was fun to see that this has also been made into yeah. a board game. So unfortunately on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie only has a 60%. Um, I was actually surprised we were able to rent this on Redbox. I haven't Redboxed a movie in a very long time. True. I thought it would be on on one of like the other main streamings. Yeah. Um, I guess but, it is a little bit older now, 2017. Yeah. Side note, I went to Redbox yesterday to, to um, rent this. So I rented it. It was like $1.80. <laughs> and then they go, would you like to take up our offer of $2 off to own movies? And I was like, I can buy movies at the Redbox? And I could, I was like, sure. They had 19 pages of like new movies what? for like a dollar ninety nine each. What? <laughs> it was wild. And so you luckily, what? You you buy it and then it just pops out like just a normal pop, DVD, yeah, like a like a normal like red box. So it's in the red box case. Who cares? Um, I ended up buying the gentleman, but like Ray was in the car, so I was like. He's probably like thinking like, what is she doing? But I'm going to go back because that was, I mean, granted. That's fascinating. Yeah, for $1.99 for like new release movies. Yeah. It's like Anyways. when um, Blockbuster or Hollywood Video used to do like their discount pile. Yeah. But like they were not in like the main um, uh, covers and yeah. stuff. But I don't care about stuff like but it, that. I mean, it makes sense if they're movies that are kind of going out. Mm-hmm. Like what are they going to do with True. them? True. That's a good point. But I'd never have that happen to me before, so. I'm going to try to go back. Now, now you have a new obsession. Now you're going to buy all the DVDs from Redbox. Well, shoot. If I don't have to rent them for $4 <laughs> on Amazon, that'd True. be great. <laughs> Anyways, the budget for this movie was $55 million. And it had a worldwide gross of $352 million. Wow. So it made about $300 million. That's impressive considering the budget was so small. Do you think it's because of the hype around this? Yeah. So I will say... I watched this movie in the theaters. I was super, super excited about it because we'll talk about it. The cast is mm-hmm. a list yeah. and I was super excited about it. Um, I'll share my thoughts a little bit later on what I thought about the first time I watched the movie because it's changed a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, but I think the cast itself probably. That's true. But I thought it was interesting that the budget was only $55 million looking at this cast. <laughs> You'd think that just the cast alone would have cost more than $55 million. Totally. So. The ironic thing is, um, you know me, I love Johnny Depp. So you would have thought that I would have automatic. This would have been an automatic mm-hmm. watch for me. And I definitely, this w- this was my first time watching it. So, yeah. Which I'm happy about because he's clearly not in it very much. But we'll get to that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so some fun facts about the movie uh it's actually a very beautiful visual movie mm-hmm. uh and big screens with animations of moving landscapes were actually installed on set uh to create a lot of the visual effects of the train moving That's cool. and it made me think of there's a bar in phoenix that we've been wanting to go to where it's literally it looks like you're in a train car and has mm-hmm. and it it looks like you're moving yeah and i was like it's probably the same thing <laughs> maybe it's the movie set probably not probably not <laughs> So there's a scene where um, Hercule, I think I'm going to just call him Hercule because I can pronounce that way better. And uh, Ratchet are eating a cake like for their dessert. I guess that that scene alone actually took over a day and a half because there was a lot of of, um, improvisation with it. And the scene required numerous, numerous bites of cake. (laughs) They kept having to replace the cake. I love that. Um, actually, most of the, a lot of the cast and most of the extras were made up of the director's closest friends and acquaintances to just fill the space, hmm. which I, that's what I would do. But like, hey, you guys just want to like come stand at this yeah. movie. That's interesting though, because I mean, I, I don't feel like extras cost that much money, do they? No. It's probably easier though, just to like call up your, your homies and, and just be like, <laughs> you want to like come stand here for yeah. a few hours? So I bet that, I bet that happens more than, than we thought. Probably. So speaking of the original, oh, I have it right here. It was 1974 when, okay. um, when that movie was, so when the first one. not far back. No. Um, but one of the actresses who played in there, in that one, um, actually called the director before he started shooting this film and was telling him how the scene at the very end when Hercule is going through all of like what could happen or mm-hmm. what could have happened, it was like the most... Uh, it was like the hardest scene and like just excruciating how long it was for all the actors and actresses. So she was like warning them like, okay, like when, when you do this, like don't torture your actors. Cause it's going to be a long scene because it's so long winded. So to avoid that, he, um, he actually ended up shooting his side of it all by himself. He didn't make the actresses and actors, uh, come to that. Oh, when like when they're all it. sitting at that yeah. table. Yeah, oh, and um, and they did a lot of the close-up shooting with just a few of them at a time, and to avoid the long, lengthy set. That's smart. Yeah, um, the crew actually ended up uh, building a mile-long track of real railroad tracks just for this movie, which I thought was interesting. Like there was none. Like you just couldn't use any. <laughs> like none. No. <laughs> And lastly, there was at least one real murder on the Orient Express. Um, there was a woman by the name of Maria Farkhouse now um, was robbed and murdered by Carl Strasser, who pushed her out of the moving train. This happened approximately one year after Agatha Christie's book was published. So they got inspired by this book? Evidently. <laughs> So That's I thought, terrible. I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> so like I said, the cast of this movie is just... A-list. Star study. And I had a, I feel bad. I kind of just pulled out the cream of the crop here because we can't talk about everybody. But there's even like the next level down mm-hmm. are huge actors as well. Yeah. So we'll start with Hercule 
Perot is played by Kenneth Branagh, who is the director of the movie. I'm going to give you one chance. Do you know who he is? Without zero, like, zero. help. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure I've He's seen from him. the Harry Potter movies. There's your clue. Oh. Oh. Is he a teacher? Mm-hmm. I should know this. You should know this. I mean, he's a lot older than... He was in one of the earlier movies. Oh, gosh. He is Gilderoy Lockhart. No way! (laughs) I I feel, like, terrible, because we've definitely talked about him. Yes, I I know. It's... I can't... The mustache. I know. Completely, like, changes his Um, He's also been in Wild Wild West. He was in Tenant, Dunkirk, and he will appear in Death on the Nile in the next movie for this. Um, Speaking of the mustache, he is fully aware that it was over-extravagant for (laughs) this character, Um, but he said he was justified because there's at least 15 quotes in the original novel mentioning the mustache, so he just went full board on it. Is that a real mustache? I don't... No. No way. (laughs) Listen, have I you mean, seen my maybe. dad's mustache? I mean, maybe. If you let it grow, he has a friend actually who mm-hmm. has like a much bigger mustache and longer mustache than he does. That's crazy. It's like impressive. It's wild. Not really attractive, <laughs> but it's impressive. But they did. There was some haters and like some like big Agatha Christie fans came out and said that it was ridiculous. But it's fine. That's what the movies are for. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought he's great as this character. Um, you know, I I get always a little bit of the like pink Panther, uh, Mm. vibes, uh, but also like a little bit of Sherlock. It's just kind of all in the same realm. So I, I thought he did a phenomenal job. I agree. I don't know if he's, he's not like, uh, French by like, no, I think he, he is some sort of European. I'm always baffled or like um, impressed when people do like other accents. Like mm-hmm. I feel like American's pretty easy to do, but like when you do a yeah. French accent or like somewhere else, like it's impressive. No, I liked him a lot. I thought he did a great job, mm-hmm. and I, like what the character was in the book, he did a great job of mm-hmm. like portraying it to a T, in my opinion. Well, and I can't imagine directing and being not only acting in the film, but being the star, star character yeah. of a film. So. I give him major props. Oh, I guess one last thing we should mention that Hercule is the detective in this movie. Yes, yes. So next character is Edward Ratchet um, slash Cassetti. And he is the victim slash bad guy in this this (laughs) movie, uh, in this story. And is played by Johnny Depp. Obviously, uh, we know him from Pirates of the Caribbean, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Alice in Wonderland, Sweeney Todd, and the Fantastic Beast series. Um, I mean, is Parts he canceled? Parts one and two only. Yeah. I mean, is he canceled? Like, where are we at with I this? I hate the term canceled. I know. Um, everything that he has done in his personal life, I do not condone. Do I still think he's a great actor? Yes. Some people have issues with him because they think he's very one note mm-hmm. i personally don't see that um i think he has a specialty but even within that specialty he he's able to do different things i don't understand how when people say he's one note when you look at all of the different characters he's played yes has he done a lot of the um oh my gosh why am i drawing a blank tim burton films yeah yes but then 
He's also Jack Sparrow. Yeah. He's the, he's Edward he Ratchet. Blow? Like yeah. you cannot compare Blow to Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you know I think I, mean? I think he's very, very versatile. Um, there is a story though that says that one day he showed up on set several hours late and hung over for this movie. Doesn't which doesn't me. surprise me. <laughs> but I guess the director actually berated him in front of the entire cast and said that he expected all of his act, all of his actors, no matter who they are, to show up on time and be prepared. And if it was too difficult for them, he would have no problem finding another actor to Good fill the him. spot. And I guess ever after that, he showed up every day on time. Afterwards. Well, yeah, when you're humiliated in front of your entire castmates. But I'm like, <laughs> you can't even pull the like, do you know who I am card when you're sitting next to Judy Dench? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, totally. It's like, yeah, like who is he gonna be? Like, right. yeah, I'm better than you. Um, so there's not much to this character really in in this story because he's dead for most of it. Right. Um, but I thought. He you still played that like bad yeah, guy fine. I liked his um his look. Like it was very yeah. menacing and um like just dark in a yeah. way. Uh but it's definitely a character you take just to be a part of it, yeah. not because there's much to that character. Yeah. So but I think he added to, you know, a great cast. I agree. So as we go through this, we'll talk a little bit. The characters are are different than in mm-hmm. the, the in the uh, book. Uh, so we'll talk about Miss Mary Denbenham <laughs> is played by Daisy Ridley. And I don't know what was going on in my mind last night. I was like, well, I just could you couldn't, not, I couldn't pull it. I just was like, who is this girl? Like, I don't know if it was You're the red hair. I know. I was like, I don't know if it's the red hair. I don't know what it is. But obviously, it's Ray from Star Wars. <laughs> obviously. Um, I freaking love her. I think she's great. No matter what she's people so care. Yeah. No matter what people say about the way that character evolved through Star Wars, she's fabulous. Agreed. Uh, she also, her voice uh, is in Peter Rabbit as Cottontail. And she's also in Chaos Walking which I'm begging you to do. It's the oh, new yeah. Tom Holland film. You're only begging me because it's Tom Holland. But there's three of them. It's a trilogy. I'm just saying. All right. We're going to do it at some Maybe point. Maybe if the three of them come out and then we can do all three. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so da- I thought Daisy was great. Um, Daisy? <laughs> Daisy. Her name is Daisy. Her actual name? Yeah, Daisy oh. Ridley. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Sorry, because there's a Daisy. Isn't the Daisy the girl that gets kidnapped in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought she was great. They they gave her this character more in the movie. They highlighted this yeah. character more than it was in, in the novel. So, but I really liked her. I thought she did a I great did job. So the next character is Dr. Arbuthnot. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much fun. I know. When I was so reading this hard. book, I was like, oh, I can't wait for Hannah to try to pronounce it. It's real these. bad. It's real bad. Um, anyways, played by Leslie Odom Jr., who is just fabulous. I Agreed. love him. Famously known for his role in Hamilton, but he was also in a show called Smash and Central Park. Um, he grew up in Philly and went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. So he's very classically trained um, and he's fabulous. Mm-hmm. They changed this character. Yes. So in the novel, there's a Dr. Constantine who is kind of like, it's basically Hercule, Boke, and and the doctor who are mm-hmm. like the three who are trying to really solve, solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. They actually turn the doctor into more of a suspect in the, in the movie than in the book. Mm-hmm. He kind of is under suspicion and he there's more to him. And then they also 
have a storyline. He is involved with Mary in the, in the novel as well, but he's African American in the movie and they touch on that and yeah. have a storyline with that. He's so. also a Colonel in the book. Whereas yes. he's a doctor in the movie. So I don't know. Yeah. You, I guess it's two different well. characters. They basically, they melded two characters Into from the one, novel yeah. together. Uh, but he's great. I, I freaking love him. Yeah, I agree. I, I could have dealt without the, mustache but i felt like for the time piece <laughs> well yeah you had to have, you have a, to do a little uh next character is boke uh played by tom bateman i i wasn't sure if i wanted to talk about him or not, not? in here uh, just because there's so many other uh. characters to talk about <laughs> but i did want to mention him because one he's gorgeous mm-hmm. two he's in behind her eyes so we're ah, gonna see him again he is thank also goodness. i know he's also gonna be death uh, he's gonna be in death on the nile uh I, I didn't think he was going to be this young when I was reading the... He's supposed to be, like, old and, like, short and stubby. <laughs> well, yeah, and he was, like... I mean, he's the director of the train. Right. Like, I... Of the train company. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't hate it because he's, he's super cute. It but... felt like in the movie, like, it was, like... Um, daddy has his train company and now yeah. I have to run it. <laughs> right. And that's not how it is in the novel at no. all. But I didn't hate it. Oh, I didn't either. Uh, in real life, he's actually one of 14 uh, children and has a twin brother. So there's two of them. Oh my gosh. How exciting. <laughs> and Any relation to Jason Bateman? I don't think so. I didn't look that far into it. Um, but also, today we are recording. It's March 15th and it is his birthday today. Happy birthday. And it's, it's my your, half birthday. It's your half birthday. So <laughs> birthdays all around. But yeah, I loved him even though they adjusted the character a little bit. Hmm. So the next character, again, not in the novel, is, they changed it, is Pilar Estravandos. <laughs> Is played by Penelope Cruz. Uh, she is, I guess in the in the movie is like a missionary. Is she and supposed? A nurse. No, she's not she's, Hildegard, right? Mm, no, she's a different character. Yeah, they they changed the name completely because yeah. this one is. I think in the novel she's just kind of a she's a governess or something of somebody else on the train or something. Mm. Um, but in the movie they make her into a missionary. Anyways. Penelope Cruz. Uh, she was in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Gothica, Vanilla Sky. She was in Blow. Uh, and she was in a movie called uh, Volver. And then she also won. Volver. 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 <laughs> Volver. That's how you pronounce it. Volver. Uh, and then she also won an Oscar for, for Best Supporting Role um, for the movie Vicky Christina Barcelona. I feel like I've seen that movie. I don't think I have. I love her. Uh, her character, so they, they did say that the character's name, uh, oh, here, Penelope Cruz's character, Pilar, was originally named Greta Olsen ah, and okay. was a Swedish nurse in the original novel. Uh, the name Pilar was taken from another Ag- Agatha Christie, uh, mystery, uh, Hercules Christmas, <laughs> That was published in 1938, four years after this one. Oh, yeah. Not sure why they needed to pull a different character name out. Who knows? uh, Since you brought it up, I forgot to mention that Murder on the Orient Express is the 10th book in the Hercule Poirot, like, series that Agatha Christie has written. So, um, yeah, I guess it makes sense to kind of plug and play, but realistically, they don't... I wonder if they wanted Penelope in the movie, but Greta Olsen doesn't sound like a very Hispanic or Spanish name. (laughs) Very true. They also turn the Italian guy, we don't talk about it, they turn the Italian guy into 
Spanish, like, right? Spanish yeah. or from Venezuela or yeah. something in the mirror. Marquez. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I, th- I mean, I think she's great. Her character didn't do too much for me, but no. I love her. I do too. I think her accent is so superb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so next character is Hector McQueen. I can pronounce that one. <laughs> is played by Josh Gad. And please tell me you know who he is. He's in a lot of things. <laughs> he is Olaf. Oh, yeah. He's Olaf <laughs> from all the Frozen movies. Uh, he also was in Central Park, which uh, Leslie was in as well. Um, he's in Artemis Fowl, Angry Birds, and he was also um, Gaston's right-hand man in Beauty mm, and the Beast. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> um, he actually did experience a lot of motion sickness while filming this because of those animation screens <laughs> which i'm like he looks like someone who would that's hilarious would have motion sickness um he actually is the only member of the cast that actually actually rode on the original orient express um they did allow the director to go onto onto the train but didn't actually ride it so i guess they're actually you know is, is it's still there so interesting uh, so josh gad is actually i mean he's he's a funny guy he likes doing like little bits and i guess in between filming he quote-unquote interrogated and annoyed daisy ridley who plays ray in the star wars movies mm-hmm. um several times in an attempt to get her to answer questions about star wars <laughs> <laughs> the last jedi um because that's it she was filming kind of them oh so, he wanted the yeah, scoop yeah he wanted the else. scoop and um he kept filming her reactions on his smartphone and several of the other cast members also took part, including Judy Dench, Penelope Cruz, and some of the other other actors. And you can see the the videos um, on his Facebook and Instagram. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I love him. I thought he did great. Yeah, he's a good one. <laughs> uh, next one is Princess Dragomiroff. Yep. Is played by Dame Judy Dench. We know her, obviously, from Shakespeare in Love, the best exotic marigold hotel she was also an artemis fowl um she's in a bunch of the james bond movies and she was also in pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides and was in cats sounds like this uh director does likes to reuse actors (laughs) yes um i don't have much else about her for this film but i mean she is she is who she is yeah (laughs) the only thing i have to say though is that in the novel they talk about it so many times about how ugly she is in the novel, they're like, she's this really yeah. old, ugly lady. And she's not. I mean, they, Judy they, Dench. They tried. Is, I feel like they tried with her makeup, but it didn't really like, I mean, work. <laughs> not as like as haggard as they make her True. sound in the novel. True. As the last character we'll talk about is Caroline Hubbard. Or is that her real name? Mm-hmm. Um, pl- <laughs> played by none other than Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, actually, Angelina Jolie was originally attached to this project, but ended up dropping out. And Charlize Theron was also uh, courted for this role. I can't see either of them doing this because they're. T- I didn't think they're old enough for this role. Mm, anytime Angelina Jolie is like pinned for anything, I, I said no thank you. I love Charlize Theron, but mm-hmm. I agree. I don't think she would have been right, right for this role. I think Michelle Pfeiffer... like for lack of a better word, murdered yes, this role. <laughs> she did amazing. She's a three-time Oscar nominee, has never won an Oscar, which shocks me. That's surprising. Um, but we know her from, obviously, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, obviously. <laughs> her um, most um, yeah, her impressive mo- role. Yes, uh, she was in Maleficent, <laughs> Hairspray, Up Close and Personal, Dangerous Minds. She's Catwoman in Batman Returns, and she was in Grease too as well. Um, she actually ended up showing up several months in advance in order to construct the hair and wardrobe for this character. Hmm. 
Hmm, interesting. Which I can kind of see. Hers was a little bit more involved, I think, True. than some of the other ones. Um, and then she actually sings the song Never Forget um, that plays over the closing credits of this movie. Oh, wow. I didn't so. know she was a singer. Yeah. I guess she's in Hairspray in Greece. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that's... A I few mean, of the many. A few of the many. I mean, yeah, one of the ones you didn't on. mention. Um, I think she plays, if I'm not mistaken, um, the... Um, the Countess? No, 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 no. Um, which the Countess, I think, is famous, too. But, oh, my God, I'm blinking on her name. Uh, the lady who the, is um, the queen in The Crown. Mm-hmm. She, I think she's, like, uh, the princess. The princess is, yes. like, lady maid mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I love her. I forget her name. But she's incredible in The Crown. Which, total side note, but when they switched over characters from season to season, mm-hmm. I was really upset because I really liked the character or the actress who plays um the queen in the first couple mm-hmm. of seasons. And I was like, oh, here we go. Like, they're going to replace yeah. her. It makes sense because it's as time goes on. Yeah. Obviously, they get older. But she is even better than I expected. Huh. So I still have not gotten into the crown. It's very um, dialogue heavy. Mm. So I know how you feel about those types of shows and movies. No. So. I'm currently <laughs> watching Good Girls on Netflix. That sounds yes. like more like your jam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Time for our games. First up is Who Said It? Your first quote is, at the end of three days, they part. They go their several ways, never perhaps to see each other again. Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like someone said it. It sounds like it, yeah. it was like di- not even dialogue. Uh, it was um, Monsieur Book. 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 Yeah. The, <laughs> the character in the movie would not have said that. He's kind no. of a dunce in the movie. <laughs> Next one. Do you know, I shouldn't be surprised if that man turns out to be a murderer. One of these train robbers you read about. Hmm. Miss Hubbard. Yes. Yeah. Good job. She was very obviously s- talking about Ratchet, which he yes. ended up being a kidnapper. D- d- does he murder the girl? Yes, yes. he does. <laughs> <laughs> Next up. I disliked and distrusted him. He was, I am sure, a cruel and dangerous man. That was. I don't remember. Is it someone? Did they change his name in the movie? <laughs> McQueen. Yes. Good job. Okay. Last one. The impossible cannot have happened. Therefore, the impossible must be possible in spite of appearances. That is my man, Hercule. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Three out of four. Thanks. All right. Next up. Is I that wasn't Mary... totally wrong on the first one. Well, <laughs> you weren't. Well, okay. But like, you... <laughs> we're just going to move along. Okay. <laughs> uh, your options for F. Mary Kill. Again, hard because the cast is incredible. Um, and obviously there's a lot of characters mm-hmm. in this book. Um, but I picked the three that I thought were best uh your options are hercule obviously uh mary debenham and mrs hubbard hmm. i was gonna pick ratchet but you know only because it's trying to <laughs> <laughs> um i think we have to we have to go with murder not kill for this one. Ooh, yes you know f mary uh, murder <laughs> f mary murder um okay so we are going okay so it's hubbard hercule and mary mm-hmm. um you know, I am going to, I'm going to marry Hercule because one, he's famous and two, <laughs> like, he's super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, a little too smart for his own good. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going, I'm going to murder Mary because she did nothing for me. <laughs> she was just kind of annoying, to be honest. And I will take a ride with Mrs. Hubbard. <laughs> Take a ride on the train. <laughs> All right. Um, I am actually going to kill or murder Hercule. Why? 
because you can get away with it because he's the best detective in the world. Now no one can solve the murder. That and the mustache. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to marry Mary <laughs> because it just sounds fun mm-hmm. to marry Mary. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I will also take a ride with Mrs. Hubbard. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into this. Let's take a ride, shall we? All right. So the movie starts out pretty different from from the book. Uh, we sh- The first scene we get is at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, <laughs> which does not happen in the, in the I was book. like, wait a minute. Were we ever in Jerusalem? Right, no. Um, and, and Hercule's in like in a hotel and, and this poor kid is trying to give him some eggs, some like hard boiled eggs, but they're not even because he's like really OCD, which maybe that gets mentioned in other, in other novels, mm. but they don't really mention a whole lot of OCD-ness. Not really. Uh, but it very much came across in this movie. Um, but he's just kind of wasting time because they're like, okay, we have you here to like help solve this like mystery that we have going on outside. Cause people are rioting. And so he's like, okay, enough with the eggs. It's the chicken's <laughs> fault anyway. <laughs> so he goes outside to the wailing wall and basically what's going on is that there is a relic that is missing and the accused are a rabbi, a priest and an Imam. Imam. I- Imam. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's in the Muslim um, religion. It's like the... Like the priest or, right. the, or the rabbi. Exactly. The guy who gives... I don't know what the correct word for a sermon would be mm-hmm. um, at a mosque. Gotcha. <laughs> so they think that one of them stole, the, stole this relic because wherever the relic was being held, they were arguing with each other beforehand. So they line all three of them up on the wall... And Hercule comes out and he starts explaining what happened because he's figured out the case. I thought this was going to be like execution style. Like the way that they were lining them up. (laughs) Yeah. So basically he ended up figuring out this mystery because when he was inspecting where the relic was, there was a boot mark. Well, these three men do not have boots. They are like very thin lined shoes that all these men wear. Come to find out, he's figured out that it's actually the police chief who stole it and he was able to tell because of his boots scandal. Yes. So anyways, he solves, he solves that mystery, but that does not happen in the book at all. No, there's like a brief mention of like him helping somebody, like some sort of, uh, someone with like a, another mystery, but not to this extent and definitely not this (laughs) storyline. No. So he's getting ready to leave and basically find out that he's going to go to Stambul on a boat and then eventually he will end up back in London. But he is deciding that he will vacation for a little while in Istanbul and which does happen in the book. That was his plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he gets to the boat and the boat is kind of having trouble starting and he ends up running into the doctor and the governess who is Mary Demon Bobbin. Demon Bob. Yeah. Uh, Debin Ham, I think. Yes. Um, And they are on the boat. uh, But we come to find out that those two know each other, but they don't want anyone to know know that they know each other. Um, One thing that's different is that I think in the the movie, she's very agitated that they could potentially miss that 
the train mm-hmm. that they're supposed to be getting Correct. on. And there's a very specific reason why. They don't mention that in in the movie. They end up putting in like this random conversation between the doctor and and Mary and say basically she's like saying once this is over like we It's not random. It's in the book. Really? Yeah, because I it's don't a key remember part. that. It's a key part because it comes into play later when he's questioning both of them because he's like, "Oh, I overheard you two talking." what were you guys talking about? And she's like, did you think I was talking about murder? Like it's, it's, oh, yeah. It, it's, I totally didn't catch the that. The part that doesn't, I think, happen in the book is where he's sitting, Hercule is sitting with her talking. And oh. she, he, he mentioned something about, I don't even remember, but like that portion. Yeah. Happen. But he definitely overhears them talking. It the very book. much starts like, we are going to make her a more predominant yeah. character in this, in this uh, adaptation than, than the book. Yeah. So they end up getting to... They end up getting to Stambul and Hercule ends up running into Boke, who is with a prostitute. (laughs) But we come to find out that they've been friends for a very long time and that um, Boke is the director of this train company. And, you know, he's telling them he's going to be staying in Stambul for a little while. Um, But then he ends up, Hercule ends up getting a call to help with a case in London. So Boke is now trying to get him uh, a place on this train back to London. Come to find out that um, there's no room on this train. (laughs) Like it's pretty full. Which is out of um, character for this time of year. It's important to note. So, and we're seeing all the passengers starting to board. We're starting to see all the different characters come in here. We see Ratchet. We see McQueen. Um, we see the Count. And he's, like, beating some guy up. <laughs> so we're starting to see all the characters come into play. Um, and the only reason Hercule is able to actually get on this train is because somebody did not check in. And it's like you have to check in a half hour before. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to now get a spot on the train, which I thought was funny because that that does get explained why that person never checked in at the end of the novel, mm-hmm. but they never circle back to it in the movie. No, which I thought was interesting that they started it but never came back to it. I feel like it was. I mean, I I like that they explained it, but I don't know that it was necessary to the true. But problem. if you're not going to explain it, then why sure. even put it at the beginning <laughs> to explain why initially there was no room? I guess <laughs> who knows. So now he's on the train and um, Hercule runs into Mrs. Hubbard and she tells him that she's been accused of husband hunting on board. <laughs> I'm like, my girl might as well. You can probably find some very well-traveled people on trains. Oh, sure. Especially if you look like Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. <laughs> um, then we see that uh, Hercule and McQueen will be sharing a cabin for, for the night or for this journey. There's, McQueen does not look happy about it. <laughs> no, no. Um, and there's like a lot in the book there's a lot of talking about like who's staying with who and for how long and this that and the other i was kind of okay that they kind of just skimmed over a lot of that um but we see ratchet walking through the train and we see that it seems very agitated with his accommodations he's just very on edge and so now the train is departing and it's basically the hogwarts express (laughs) Like, I got major Hogwarts Express vibes. Except there's no um, trolley lady. No, no. <laughs> there's murder. <laughs> uh, but we see that Ratchet gets a note. And it says, better watch yourself on it. In the book, 
they mention that he gets mm-hmm. notes, but they don't actually, we don't actually like see it or they don't spell it out what it actually right. says. He kind of just mentions that he has gotten these random notes, but they look like ransom, let like cut out a magazine. They're so um, like childish looking in my opinion. It's I was very like, strange. I get the whole idea of like using the block, you know, like the magazine letters. So uh-huh. it's like, you can't tell the handwriting, but like, it just felt really like fake and like, yeah, especially because I could felt like, I'm like, this is supposed to be, like, in the 30s. Like, I don't think people were doing that. True. But maybe, I mean, maybe so. Uh, but we see that Ratchet and Mrs. Hubbard, uh, they kind of run into each other, like, in the hallway. And he kind of makes a pass at her. And she totally, like, shuts him down. And he slams the door in her face. So, automatically, she's like, I don't like this yeah. guy. Uh, then we meet, um, Michelle, who is like the, he's a conductor, mm-hmm. which I thought was so interesting. Cause whenever I hear a train conductor, I think like the guy who's actually driving the train, right? the conductors are actually like the waiters. Do you think they, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. I thought more like, um, like monitors of the tra- <laughs> hall monitors basically. Well, but Michelle brings him eggs in bed. That's true, I guess. Well, and I think conductor, because there's multiple ones on the mm-hmm. train, obviously, maybe they take shifts. So, like, your your idea of conductor may still be that. They just, like, swap roles every few hours or something. I don't know. I just know he's bringing Hercule <laughs> eggs in bed, and then they're, they're the right size. <laughs> <laughs> the right size. So, now we're in the dining cart, and we see that Boke is very much like the hostess. He's serving champagne to all of the passengers. And... Then we see Hercule and Boke are having a meal together and they're sitting next to the princess. So we kind of, again, start seeing all the different characters in one spot. And I love that the princess brought dogs with her. Well, yeah. (laughs) All princesses should, you know. 100%. Yes. So, oh, you know who I didn't talk about? Who? The professor. Who is played? Oh my gosh, that's true. I forgot about Who did him. I, oh, I can't think of his name. Um, William Defoe. Yeah. Right. How, yeah. yeah. How did I not talk about I him? He's not really that big in this movie. No, but he's a he's a big actor. True. So he's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, William <laughs> Defoe. It's fine. Um, he will forever be a no no for me because of the Spider Man movies. Like he's just so scary in this movie. He is. He is. He's a great villain. He, is. he could have almost been a ratchet. Totally. You know? I, I actually would have preferred that. Yeah. I feel so bad. Like I feel like I need to like write him a letter saying I'm sorry I left him I out of it. I think his millions of dollars will keep him warm at night. Oh You're my fine. goodness. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Um, but this is where we we meet him and he's actually kind of making a little bit of a, of a fuss because he doesn't want to sit at the same table as the doctor because he's black. So that was, what I was talking about earlier. Like there's no racial right. issues in this, in this book. They actually talk about how these group, of pe- this group of people is very diverse, you know, in different nationalities mm-hmm. in income. And it's very strange that you would meet all of these characters in one spot. Right. At, at this time. So not sure why they felt they needed to bring that into it. Because they... it's 2017 when this I movie is guess. made. I guess. I guess. So Ratchet actually comes out and he ends up sitting with Hercule for dessert. This is that scene I was telling you about with the cake. Mm-hmm. And he actually offers Hercule a job to help him out. He's saying that people are threatening him. Um, and he's saying that people are threatening him because he sold them fake art. Mm-hmm. 
or he was given fake art that he is now selling. <laughs> and he wants Hercule to watch his back. But he ends up turning him down because he doesn't got time for this. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is he says that he doesn't like his face. Yeah. He's like, I don't <laughs> like your face. And I'm like, okay, it's Johnny Depp. I think you like his face. But anyways. Uh, but the train stops. And, you know, because it's at a different station. And then when it starts up again, we see that it's getting very cold and the weather is starting to turn. <laughs> I love this part. We see Hercule reading Charles Dickens and just like laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what does he say? He's like, oh. Um, Monsieur Dickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but while he's reading, he's hearing a noise coming out of Ratchet's cabin. Kind of looks out, doesn't really see anything, goes back in. Then we see that Michelle, the conductor, goes to check on Mr. Ratchet, and someone is speaking French to him, basically saying, oh, it was nothing. And then we see that Mrs. Hubbard rings her bell, who is next door to Ratchet. I loved how in the book they kind of end up giving you a map of who stays in what cab. And I was like, very helpful. Very helpful. Um, But then Hercule ends up, he looks out again because he hears another noise. And at this point, he sees a woman in a red uh, dressing gown or kimono Mm -hmm. um, running down the hall with a dragon on the back of it. Very specific. Yes, very distinguishable. And then at this point, the weather's gotten so bad that the train actually derails due to a snowdrift. Did you think about um, the Polar Express when this happened? <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The scene it's like almost like a roller coaster. Well, yeah. But I mean, it was a lot more dramatic in this movie. Like, I don't think, I felt like in the book it was more like, okay, the train just stopped because yeah. there's snow in the way. Totally. Like this one is like, the train's like tipping over <laughs> and it's on this like giant scary bridge i know very true not that not how it's really so much described in in the novel uh but we also get i mean again correct me if i miss this but we keep seeing a picture of Catherine, who mm-hmm. is hercule's wife yeah or someone we're, we're believed interest. to be does that come up in the book at all not from what i can remember yeah. which to your point might be from a different book in the series maybe i don't know true i don't know but we see like you know her picture has fallen off and it had broken the frame so he's sad about that but not sure why they felt they needed to add that into this but they did who knows maybe it was something that we completely missed yeah (laughs) so now the passengers are all in the dining car and boke is telling them that people are on their way to come help them um but it's gonna be a while till they're gonna be able to get back you know on the track and and they're trying to get a hold of Mr. Ratchet and he's no one is answering the door. So Her- Hercule ends up getting the door open and he finds Ratchet's dead body and that he has been stabbed. And they f- come to find out that he's been killed between midnight and 2 a.m. And he's like, all right, you need to secure this carriage because whoever killed him is still here. Here. Mm-hmm. I thought in the book they did a lot better job of kind of describing why they were so sure that the person was still there because come to find out like the window was open and there's no way anyone could have gotten out into the snow. Like, right. And like the way, and and obviously throughout the book, once they start talking to different people, different things Mm -hmm. come up. Like they mentioned that, you know, um, one of the, one of the passengers was at the very last car Mm -hmm. and knew that nobody could come in from like the dining car. Right. And, you know, the, the window of time was really important too, because it depended on where their last stop was. So that was realistically where somebody could have gotten on the train, but obviously this happened after that. So like, it's, yeah, you're right. They did a better job. (laughs) Much better job in the book of describing all this. And so now they're in the dining car 
And Boke, you know, Boke is basically telling Hercule, like, you got to find out who did this. Like, we will interview all the passengers. Like, when the police come, we need to have, you know, an answer for them. Mm -hmm. Because in his mind, he's like, this is a PR nightmare. Which (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it is. Daddy's going to be really mad. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So they end up announcing to all the passengers at one time that there has been a death on the train and that Mr. Ratchet has been murdered. There isn't, like, in the book, there isn't, like, a big announcement to everybody. Mm-hmm. They kind of just start trickling. He starts talking to people, and then the news kind of trickles yeah. down. It's mainly Mrs. Hubbard that kind of just, like, right. tells everybody else. <laughs> so, and then randomly, Hercule decides to take a walk on top of the train in the movie. Yeah, it was random. It was very random. Again, like the Polar very Express. Very much like the Polar Express. <laughs> uh, that is not in the book. He does not get out of the no. train. <laughs> um, most of the outside of the train things that happen in the movie don't. No. Like, that's not how it happens in the book. No, they so. do not really leave the train at all. I, I liked it for the sake of, like, the visual. Yeah. But it really didn't need to happen for the sake of the plot. Right. Really. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting that they did that. So now Hercule is starting to interview everybody. So he starts his interview with McQueen and McQueen just starts drinking. And he's like, cause I'm like, yeah, I would too. So McQueen is like the right hand man of Mr. Ratchet. Technically his secretary. Yeah. (laughs) He's basically, he's like, basically I've done, I've done everything for him over the last year um, that he's been employed with him because he's only been with him for about a year. Um, But he tells Hercule that he was crude. He was demanding and just not a very nice person. And the last time that he saw him was about 10 PM. And he had, he went over because he was there to go over contracts uh, because he didn't, because Ratchet doesn't speak French and he had to translate everything Mm -hmm. for him, which ends up being an important part of this whole mystery is that Ratchet did not speak or understand French. Correct. So, um, but he tells Hercule, you know, Ratchet had a lot of enemies and he had gotten some, some letters and he shows them that one letter that says you better watch out. And he thinks that it could be Marquez, the Latin, Oh, he's Latin. They turned him into mm-hmm. a Latin guy. Um, in the book, uh, in the book, it's, I don't think it's McQueen that, accuses or suspects the latin guy i think i honestly couldn't even tell you i think it's (laughs) well i think it was like dr constantine who again has more of a role and he's very much like i think it's the italian guy or it's boke it's one of them i think it's constantine i think you're right so after he interviews mcqueen he ends up going to look at the body again and i actually really like this is the scene where they it's like an overhead view Mm -hmm. of the scene and they're actually giving showing you all the different clues that were left behind which i thought was kind of a cool way to film it did they talk about this in the book like in i don't feel like it was like in this much detail where they like go over his body and stuff no. like that but i liked how they did it though because yeah. i think we still get all of these different facts mm-hmm. but they trickle throughout the the book True. here we get them kind of all at the same time because we find out that he was stabbed 12 times they think he was killed right around 115 because his watch stopped at 115 he has some of the wounds are really strong you know and aggressive mm-hmm. stabs some of them are timid he did have a gun under his pillow which he didn't use so they think obviously he was probably drugged And they find a handkerchief on the ground, like a very expensive handkerchief with the initial H on it. Mm -hmm. They also find pipe cleaner um, by the body as well. So they think the, you know, the person, the murderer might have smoked a pipe. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also find like a charred note with some sort of writing on it. Um, (laughs) This just brought me back. So 
in elementary school, we used to have, you know, library like once a week or whatever. And like once a quarter or whatever, we would do like a murder mystery day and we would get different things like this and we would have to try to figure out you know, what the mystery was. That's so fun. It was really cool. Is and that, I really, really enjoyed it. Is that where your love of murder mysteries came from? I to think be? it did. And I wish I would have like put two and two together. Like, hey, Hannah, you are really into this. Like, maybe you should make a career out of it. <laughs> but that's not how their school system works. They don't actually show you things that you want. Like, right. they don't really lend it like that. But anyways. So... Hercule ends up taking the charred note to the tunnel because the tunnel is where all these workers are, you know, trying to get this train back on the track. And he ends up using a flame from like a lamp to read the rest of this charred note. And on this note, from what he can tell, it says a strong, as a strong blood is on your hand, you will die. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) So in the... (laughs) In the book, he he doesn't... This isn't how he reads the note. No. He ends up, like, finding, like, parts of, like, a hat box or something and setting that on fire to help. Like, it's very strange. I thought the whole way that the movie did it, I was, like, confused. I was, like, is that really how... Can you do that? <laughs> it was, like, he just put the piece of paper on this, like, flame and then a... It was, like, magical. Note. Right. I was, like, this... That's... <laughs> both ways. Even in the novel. Yeah. How the novel... How they did in the novel and here, it didn't make any sense. And then... So... And in the, in the book, we don't get this like long message. The only piece of the note in the, in the novel is we just see the word Armstrong. Armstrong, Yeah. So that's when he puts in, you know, he puts it together in the novel of who this guy really is and his name isn't Ratchet. Because the next thing we see is he's saying that his real name is Cassetti from the Armstrong case in America. And that was a case of a kidnapping of a young girl named Daisy who ended up being murdered and that he ends up filling in that note that the note actually says Daisy Armstrong's blood is on your hand and you will die for it. So come to find out this whole case didn't just affect, you know, Daisy wasn't the only one who ended up dying, but her mom ended up getting was pregnant at the time went into early you know early labor Mm -hmm. and the baby and her died in childbirth then the dad committed suicide and it really like wrecked a whole bunch of people's lives they're i think they're like governess or like her caretaker like committed suicide Mm -hmm. jumped out of a uh a window because she was uh, the main suspect. Yeah, in the she case. was accused of it. Yeah, basically, what we find out is that Cassetti, um, aka Ratchet, basically got off with this murder without any blood on his mm-hmm. hands. And uh, I think they mentioned even like that his money like got mm-hmm. him out of it or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah. So come to find out that there's a huge motive of why someone would want this guy dead. But at this point, we still don't know who on that train is connected to that. So now we see a bunch of different interviews from all of the characters, which this is what I like how the, how the book kind of each chapter is like Mm -hmm. a different interview with, with each passenger. So now he's talking to Mrs. Hubbard and she's convinced that the murderer was in her cabin. Yes. That she was sleeping and her eyes were closed tight, but she knew he was in there. (laughs) And I'm like, Okay, I'm not sure about that. But she does say that the door between their cabins uh, was bolted. 
So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense how someone could get from that cabin to her cabin, but she's convinced. Right. Um, but he does tell her that Ratchet was Cassetti and that she kind of recognized, she kind of remembers the that case, but kind of plays it off as she has no idea. Right. Um, but she also tells him at this point that she found a conductor's button on her bed, which is a very another important clue. So the next interview that we that we see is Ratchet's valet, Mr. Masterman. 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 <laughs> Masterman. Masterman. Um, and he says that he saw Ratchet at 9 p.m. And then he brought him his clothes. And uh, but he said that Ratchet did not want to take his sleeping medication because he was very paranoid that someone was trying to get him. So he didn't he didn't want anything that would help him sleep. That's different than the book, right? Because in the book, I think he mentions, like, yeah, he takes a drought every night, and and I think he took it this night, too. Yeah, so they, I think that what happens is that that's what they tell him, that mm-hmm. he took it. But then Hercule's like, well, if he was paranoid, he probably wouldn't want to take it. That's right. And so that's why he thinks someone drugged him. I don't remember this part in the book, so I don't think it happened. We come to find out that Masterman actually has thyroid cancer and only has a couple months to live. Definitely don't find that out. <laughs> no. And so, and so Ratchet thinks, not Ratchet, uh, Hercule thinks that he might have killed him because he has nothing to lose at mm-hmm. this point. So something important to know um, in the book, uh, the kimono and the pipe cleaner are like really important pieces similar to the movie. But he actually, within each of his interviews, uh, makes a point to ask every female what color their kimono or their dressing gown is and then asks every guy, you know, if they want a cigarette or a pipe or something. It's not really the, the kimono part is kind of mentioned, but the smoking pipe thing is like not talked about and we'll talk about it but like he immediately knows who the pipe belongs to which i thought was weird well yeah and he also i think the only one we see is when he talks to mary he asks everybody to write their name and and address Mm -hmm. because they think that the killer might be left-handed yeah so again they don't put that in these interviews either so the next interview we see is with mrs pilar uh, Estravandos <laughs> and she's the missionary slash nurse and she mentions that you know she owes a debt to God for something that has happened in her past and she mentions that she had a headache that night so she got up to go ask Mrs. Hubbard for an aspirin well when she went to go ask her for an aspirin she actually knocked on the wrong door and it was Ratchet's door and he ended up like pulling a gun on her yeah <laughs> which I think he I don't think he pulls a gun on her in the book. He just kind of like makes a scene about it. Um, But she does say that her bunkmate never left the cabin that night. I don't think we actually even meet her bunkmate in this. In the, in the novel we do, we meet pretty much everybody who's on this train. Yeah. Cause the whole point is they need to interview every single person. Right. (laughs) So she says that she's a light sleeper and she would have known if her bunkmate got up during the night. And, you know, she says again that she had a really big surprise early on in her life and that she's still trying to, you know, pay this debt for whatever happened years ago. So now we have an interview with uh, Gerard Harmon, and he is a professor of engineering. This is William Defoe. (laughs) Um, And we don't get too much out of him here. We find out, again, he was an engineer and that he's German. Maybe. (laughs) He has a German accent. And then he interviews Marquez. 
who Marquez is actually Italian in the book. This is one of the characters that they changed. But he does say that he was sleeping, you know, the whole time. And we find out that he sells automobiles. But Hercule knows because they... They've gone. They've already gone through a lot of the luggage. Mm-hmm. In the book, they don't go through everyone's luggage till like after he talks to everybody. Right. <laughs> and he had found an old photo of Marquez as a chauffeur, so he knows that he has a past of being a chauffeur. I feel like um, Hercule got a lot smarter not smarter but like things were brought to his attention a lot quicker and much easier in the movie yes so now he has an interview with mary and it's outside like you said so none of this happens outside in in the movie we do find out that she is left-handed so very sus Mm -hmm. you know she could be the killer (laughs) and (laughs) and he asks if if she knew the doctor before they came on board and she lies about it. She says no. And she says she's never been to America before. And he asked her, you know, what she meant when he overheard her talking to the doctor on the boat. And she basically just pleads the fifth. She's like, it's not illegal to not tell you. Right. She says, I think in the book, she they specific, maybe they said it in the movie, but like she says it's like a personal matter of hers right. and like it's none of his business. Right. <laughs> so doesn't get a whole lot of information out of her. Now he talks to the princess and Mrs. Schmidt, her, his, her valet or whatever. Lady maid or whatever. And, you know, she says that she went to bed after dinner and Mrs. Schmidt massaged her and she went to sleep. And I was like, I would like someone to massage me before I go to sleep every (laughs) night. Uh, But she knew, but she does actually um, admit that she knew the Armstrongs, that she was actually Daisy's god godmother because we find out that she was actually friends with Linda Arden, who was a very famous actress during that time. And then she's, uh, who was, who was Daisy's grandmother? Yes. Who was Daisy's grandmother. And so (laughs) then he kind of talks to, to Mrs. Schmidt and in German, because he doesn't want the princess to, you know, influence anything that she's going to say. And, and basically she, you know, she vouches for her and says, you know, the conductor saw the princess, you can ask him. And so he doesn't get too much out of, out of her. But when he says the conductor saw her, he was like, well, what conductor? Mm-hmm. And he was, and she was like the, the conductor with the small build and the high voice in the, in the book, they talk about a very f- a feminine voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Hercules, like, that doesn't describe any of the conductors on this train. So he's like, there must have been somebody dressed as a conductor, you know, on this train, which was probably the murderer. So he checks all of the suitcases for the conductor's outfit. I can't remember where he finds it. In the book? In the, in the book. Mo- in the book, it is in Schmidt slash Hildegard's yes, room. Yes, you're right. Because uh, he says, he's like, if she did it, it might be in her room. Right. If she didn't do it, it most definitely is in her room because someone's <laughs> yes. trying to throw us off. Yes. Um, but while he's doing this, he does find the red dressing gown in his own suitcase. Um, Which is how it happens in the book. Yes. He, he, in the book, he keeps it to himself. He doesn't tell anyone here. He like goes and tells everyone yeah. like, look what I found. <laughs> and then when they do find the conductor's outfit in Mrs. Schmidt's cabin, it smells like bourbon. So automatically they think it's McQueen because McQueen, 
keeps drinking bourbon, <laughs> uh, which I don't remember the bourbon. I don't think there was the bourbon aspect of I don't it think so either. In, in the book. So right when he kind of notices when he's putting that together, he sees a man outside kind of burning some papers and he chases him and it's McQueen and he chases him down parts of this scary bridge. <laughs> and I guess it was a much longer scene and they actually like went out onto some ice at one point, oh. I guess, but they ended up cutting it out. But I was like, none of that happened in the, no. in the book. No. That was a totally added scene. I don't think scene. he even goes after McQueen like that. Like, no. Throughout the train or anything. No. And so he ends up talking to, talking to McQueen after he kind of catches him. And McQueen was trying to burn, burn all of this stuff because he had been stealing. He had been stealing from, from Ratchet mm-hmm. this whole time. And he thought that that was going to give him you know, motive. Right. But the doctor actually ends up giving McQueen his alibi and says he's been, he was drinking with him all night, which is how it happens in the book. Yes. So now he's doing a more in depth interview with the doctor and the doctor is the only one who smokes out of a pipe. Again, just very, just kind of serves it up to him. (laughs) And he ends up telling him that he was, you know, in the military, but he's claiming that he never knew Colonel um, Armstrong. Also, Colonel is the weirdest word the spelling of it yeah colonel yeah which is not how anyone pronounces it like there should be an r in this word i think it's just implied that you know how it's pronounced so weird (laughs) so weird anyways but at this point the doctor does admit to knowing mary so while mary's lying about knowing him he's like yeah no i know her (laughs) um but so we find out that mcqueen you know could have been the one that drugged ratchet he's trying to kind of put this two and two together he had the opportunity to do it because we find out that mcqueen's dad was the da in new jersey on the armstrong case and that basically his dad was the one who hung the case on the young french woman because she didn't have an alibi but come to find out she was totally innocent and ended up killing herself. So that's his connection to the Armstrong case. So right when we kind of figure out that part, because we do find that out in the book as well, I believe. I can't remember. We kind of get everyone's We definitely story. get the, the story about the maid, like killing herself mm-hmm. and stuff, but I right. wasn't sure if the McQueen dad thing was a thing. I wasn't too sure about <laughs> that either. So, but at this point we, we hear Mrs. Hubbard scream and they, he runs to her and she has a knife in her back. So, which is, you know, presumably the murder weapon. It, that's not where this knife is found in the book. No, in the book she does um, make a scene, but she actually ends up finding it in her sponge bag, which yeah. I guess would be like what, like a makeup bag or something. I was either thinking that or like a toy, like a toiletry, toiletry bag. bag. Yeah. Um. So the the weapon is all like bloody and like sitting in this bag. It's definitely mm-hmm. not in her back. Right. <laughs> Don't know why they decided to <laughs> yeah. add that. Um. But yeah. So it in both cases it is the murder weapon. It's mm-hmm. just. That they chose to show it that way. And I'm like, you didn't see the person who stabbed you? Right. Like, it was very <laughs> weird. Uh, so at this point, all of the passengers are in the dining car. And the only people that Hercule really has not talked to yet are the Count and Countess. But the reason behind that is because um, they have diplomatic immunity. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to talk to him. They don't have to show them, show him their luggage. Right. Um, but he goes in and talks to him. And we end up finding out that there's a grease stain on the Countess's passport. 
And she is on some type of drugs. Because she says <laughs> she's Barbital, a, right? Yeah, and she's afraid of everything. So I hated that they rushed this because this is such like an interesting part in the book because that's fair. Yeah. Because it's, we come to find out that her maiden name is Goldenberg Mm -hmm. and that her name is not Elena, that her name is actually Helena. Well, they ended up like smudging the passport with grease. And I'm like, I, don't think you can cover that up like that, but maybe in the thirties. Um, but they said that they did that because they didn't want her to be accused because they had heard that they had found a handkerchief with the letter H on it. Um, come to find out even more. So the countess was actually Daisy Armstrong's aunt and plot twist, plot twist. And the count immediately kicks Hercule out. I, we kind of find out these little bits and pieces about the count and countess. And I just felt like they just put it all Mm -hmm. into one thing. And like, I, I was just kind of like, I remember watching this movie for the very first time. And I'm like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And I was very confused. Yeah. Well, Um, because in the book, like first the count doesn't even allow them to talk to the countess. He's like, I can vouch for her. She was with me. Like, you know, don't, there's no need to talk to her. So he's trying to, like, protect her. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the movie, it's like, no, we're just going to talk to both of them. And basically, she's just going to, like, say who she is. Like, right. <laughs> like, not much of a mystery. Yeah. So after he gets kicked out um, from the count, uh, he he talks to – or the professor comes over, and he comes to see what's wrong. And he ends up figuring out that he's not German because of some way that he – he said a word wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like a city name. Yeah. Like, wrong. and the inflection was wrong. And he, he ends up telling Hercule that he's a private detective and that Ratchet hired him to look out for him. Um, but he said that he was supposed to be looking out for a man with a high pitched voice. So again, it's this storyline about this person who could have come onto the train right. with a high pitched voice. And we come to find out, though, that his connection with the Armstrong case is that he was one of the policemen, mm-hmm. I believe, that worked the case. And that was where his connection comes yeah. in, into play. So now all of the passengers are asked to go wait out in the tunnel. <laughs> I'm like, it's cold. That does not happen. No. It does not happen in in the book. Again, very visually cool in the movie. Super cool. So I was kind of okay that they did that. So before he goes to talk to everybody in the tunnel, he brings out Mary and he's talking to Mary kind of still on the train car. And he says that he has, you know, 10 questions he's still trying to figure out in the book. It's not her that he's talking. No, I think it's uh, Dr. Constantine and Boke. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of goes over these questions and he says he sits there and just thinks (laughs) and goes over things. I wonder if that's how real detectives do things. I mean, maybe. Think. (laughs) <laughs> and it just comes to them. I mean, on all the TV shows, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> but the 10 questions that he has is the whose handkerchief is it? Who was wearing the scarlet kimono? Who was wearing the uniform? Why did the time stop on the watch? Was he killed then? Was he killed later? Was he killed earlier? Was it by one person? Was it by more person? And which person did it? <laughs> So he doesn't know anything at no. this point. <laughs> I liked um, that they brought that in because that is something that we mm-hmm. get in the book. Yes. Um, it's like a whole chapter on like these 10 questions that yes. are still un- unanswered. And, you know, he knows that she has been lying 
And he is kind of, uh, this is, he ends up telling, he's like, I know you were the governess in the Armstrong house. And I, I loved in the book how he, she was like, how did you know that? And he was like, I literally guessed. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. made at this point. Uh, I think it's important to note, because like, at this point in the book, like, because he's realizing like a few of these people have connection, he's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe more than these few have yeah. a connection. So like him <laughs> guessing makes yeah. sense. He's like, like, who else could have been living right, in that exactly. house? Um, but at this point, he basically says, I know that you planned this entire murder. He's accusing her of maybe not murdering, but setting out this plan to get this done. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, the doctor shows up to, you know, defend his woman mm-hmm. and shoots Hercule, which does not happen in the book. There's no shooting of anybody. Yeah. And he says that he's going to murder him. And then there's this big struggle between the doctor and Hercule. And then Boat comes and helps him out. Yeah. He also, like, implicates himself, like, says, like, he was the murderer. Yeah. And, like, I'm like, mm, I don't he's think He's defending his woman. I guess. I don't know if uh, boyfriend Ray would take the fall for a murder for me. I don't know. He plays a lot of um, video games where he like shoots stuff. So maybe. But like if I killed someone, I don't know if he's going to jump in and be like, no, it wasn't her. It was me. Mm, Probably not. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No. I almost feel like I would fend better in prison than boyfriend Ray. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Anyways. Love you, boyfriend Ray. <laughs> uh, so now we go back to all of the passengers in the tunnel and for the big reveal. And in the book, they're actually all in the dining car. Like yeah. I said, none of this happens outside. But like, what a great scene of him like mm-hmm. walking towards them with the train in the background, yeah. the snow everywhere. So like, cool. It's funny, during our Harry Potter episodes, you were always like, oh, I got my like wintery yes. scene. <laughs> this was your wintery yes, scene. Yes, I got my winter scene. So... Just like in the book, they give us two possible solutions. And the first one, the first solution is there was a rogue person on the train, killed Ratchet, and then leaves. Mm -hmm. And I love how Boke is like, nope, nope, nope. That is not what happened. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I know that's not what happened. But like, just let me go here. Yeah, the the theory (laughs) in that one is like similar to how we were talking earlier. Like the stop where they stopped last before they got stuck Mm -hmm. in the snow. Supposedly this person got on killed Ratchet fast enough and then got off before they even left for the next city. So that's option number one. That is option one. Option two is that they are all connected, that they all work, they all are... Option two is that they are all either connected or work for the Armstrongs, including the conductor, Michelle, and that they were all in on this together. And then the big reveal happens that Mrs. Hubbard is actually Linda Arden. Fascinating. The famous, famous actress and mother of Daisy. And that she actually coordinated this entire thing. This was her like last. She's a mastermind. Yes. This is her last role. And that... They not just one of them killed him, that they all killed him. But the detective getting added to the train and the snowstorm ended up changing their plans. Few individuals that like we didn't really learn about before, but now know mm-hmm. um, Penelope's character. What's her name? Um, Pilar. Pilar. Thank you. Um, she was the nurse that was taking care of mm-hmm. Daisy, and the reason she's um, trying to uh, absolve herself, or you know, now she's become so. Uh, religious is because she was in the room the night that Ratchet um, 
kidnapped, kidnapped Daisy. Uh, we already touched on um, Hardman being the police officer during the case. Mary was the governess. We already talked about the countess being Daisy's aunt. Uh, Michelle's connection is actually that the uh, the maid, Suzanne, who killed herself, um, it's, that, that was her his sister. Mm. Um, so that's how he's tied. But like, I feel like they did a much better job in the book. And I think it's because there was more time to kind of yeah. like explain. And to your point, like everything was very segmented mm-hmm. properly in the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we got back to the same yes. scenario. <laughs> so, and then this is the part where he's like a life for a life. It's all based on revenge. And I love that. I thought it was a really cool scene. So in the book, Hercules basically like, all right, so like if you're all cool, like we're going to go with option one yeah. and you guys are all innocent. You're going to walk off this train. Like, yeah. And that's how the book kind of ends. Right. Because at the end of the day, like to your point of, you know, a life for a life, he was an, a mm-hmm. terrible man. Ratchet was. Yeah. So they did he what was, needed to be done. And he was totally okay with it. Yeah. In the movie, however, that is not how it ends. Hercule is basically saying like, I'm not going to lie for you guys. Like, I I understand what you did, mm-hmm. but like I can't get myself to lie for you, and you're gonna have to kill me. You're literally gonna have to kill me if you don't want me to talk. And so Linda Arden is basically like, I'll take the fall for everybody. Like I'm, like I did it. I will take the fall for everyone. Ends up taking the gun mm-hmm. that Hercule was like, "Hey, go ahead and shoot me," and tries to shoot herself. Come to find out, it the gun isn't loaded. So now they're kind of back on the train and we're thinking, okay, he's going to tell everybody. Um, Pilar, the nurse kind of ends up trying to talk to Hercule and kind of convince him like why what they did was okay. Mm -hmm. And he ends up writing a letter to um, Colonel Armstrong, which they didn't, I don't know if they did this in the movie. They didn't touch on the fact that Daisy's dad had actually written to Hercule to help solve the kidnapping does that happen in the book it happens in the book it's it but they don't really mention it in the movie they briefly do mention so that's, that's interesting that you noticed yeah. the book versus the, <laughs> yeah no i noticed it in the movie and i kept thinking did that happen in the book yeah so yeah they do mention it briefly i think in the beginning like he's like yeah actually um armstrong wrote a letter to me to help him out because oh, i'm a detective gotcha. and da, 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 da. so so I guess that happens. Yeah. Both. So it, it kind of, we now hear Hercule is writing this letter and he's talking obviously to a dead man. He's writing this letter basically for himself and it's about grief and what it can do to people. And, and it is a really nice dialogue that's added to the movie. Yeah. Um, but, and then we kind of figure out that Hercule is deciding to go with solution number one and that they are all free to go. And I liked one line that he says. He says, there are no killers here, only people who need to heal. Yes. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're at a train station and basically the police are there and you see Hercule talking to them. And Hercule's like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> like, finally I can go on my vacation. Yeah. And a man comes up to him and he's like, nope, that's not me. <laughs> because, <laughs> oh, you're looking for a Hercule? Nope, that's not me. And then he tells them that there's been a murder on the Bloody Nile. And then I'm like, dun, dun, dun. That's the (laughs) next movie that's coming out. And then the train pulls away. And that is the end of the movie. So I loved how like they, Mm -hmm. at that that point, I didn't know that there was going to be another movie. I knew that 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 was another Agatha Christie book. And I was like, that was a really nice nod. So, um, 
So yeah, so that's how the movie ends up ending. So a little bit different, but same solution at yeah. the end. I guess it makes sense because knowing that they're going to be making another movie, yeah. like they wanted to tie it in, which yeah. is cool. So do you feel like this movie stayed true to the book? I think so. I mean, there's no better time to talk about it than now. Did you like how the murder mystery resolved itself? Like, were you happy with that? So this is what I'm going to say about all of this. I watched this movie without having read the book. Mm -hmm. I initially saw this in the theaters and I was super let down. I was like, I didn't fully understand it. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I was just like, oh, they all did it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's how I felt. And I was like, uh, but then having read the book, knowing what was going to happen, knowing that they all had, that they all had done it. And then watching the movie again, I liked the movie better the second time because I had read the book and I felt like I understood it a That's little fair. bit more. Um, but yeah, I'm, I always love like a good one person who did it yeah. type thing. I think that's kind of what I was hoping for. And, and granted, I've never read a different Agatha Christie. So maybe yeah. this is her MO. Um, but yeah, like I'm very much into the who done it, but like mm. one person done right. it. Like I need to figure out who. I liked that in the end they were all tied in some way to yeah. this case. And that's kind of what would um started it all. But like I was kind of still hoping for that, like one person to like pin it on. It makes it with them all doing it, it makes it a little bit less believable, I think. And yeah. that can also ruin yeah. that. Because it was bit. like very much like the stars needed to have aligned mm-hmm. for this scenario to like take place. Right. Um, so, but I do think in all in all, the movie did stay mm-hmm. true to the book. So this is kind of a hard one for me, but book or movie for you? I'm going to have to go with the movie. Um, I think, like we said, like it, it does stick true to it. Um, I just think visually it was a lot cooler. Um, again, it's, it's hard because it's such a big span of time between when mm-hmm. the book was written and when this specific yeah. movie came out. Um, I think you lose a little bit of that like old quality, um, in the movie, but I think overall it encompassed everything and like tied it yeah. up with a nice bow at the end for me. I am actually going to go with the book. Surprisingly, because I think, like I said, I did like the movie the second time around Mm -hmm. better than the first time, but I can only attribute that to how great I thought the book was or how it explained everything. Did I get confused a lot? Was there some French that my two years of high school French didn't fully (laughs) prepare me for? Um, Yeah, but overall, I really enjoyed it reading this yeah. book and I would actually like to read some of our other ones, but I guess we'll get to do another one. Yeah. I so. want, so I'm assuming that is the next book in the series then if it's like, I would assume so. I haven't actually so looked. We shall see. Yeah. All right. That's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the movie girls. You can also email us at the at gmail.com. And like we said earlier, we are on Patreon. We have a couple levels for you. Um, we've got the rom-com level, which gets you our episodes 24 hours ahead of everybody else. You also get access to our Karen reviews and then our drama level gets you everything I already mentioned. You also get a sticker for joining. You get a shout out in a future episode and you also get access to our uh, bonus content, including our movie serials, which we already talked about at the beginning. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the movie girls. And we just got a restock of our stickers. So exciting. You didn't bring me one. I know. That's rude. I know. I still think we should take some to the Goodwill and pop them in some books. We're going to do that. We're <laughs> definitely going to do that. Next up, we are doing Perks of Being a Wallflower. It was 
drawing a blank there for a second. <laughs> uh, I've heard of this. I have not read it. It's young adult. So have you watched the movie? No, I haven't oh, seen either of these. I didn't so know that. It'll be interesting because we literally had just came from the 1930s. Now we're all the way. I think this book is set in the in the 90s. Mm. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a little bit easier to read yeah. and all in English. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is helpful. Uh, I have I have watched the movie. I've not read the book, so we'll see how that goes. Um, all right, thanks for listening, and remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.